Emotional intelligence, professionalism, grit, resilience. Have you ever wondered if pharmacy students are ready for practice? Hi, I'm Brooke from 21stCenturyPharmD.com. Let me introduce you to a student who is ready for the real world. Hi everyone, I want to introduce you to a very special guest, a student, pharmacy student named Athena Brindle. We recently connected on LinkedIn and after I heard her story, I just knew I had to talk to her further. So Athena, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much, I'm so excited. Awesome, awesome. Well, tell us, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, what school you go to, what year you're in, anything else you want to share about yourself. So I am a fourth year student at Texas Tech University Health Sciences Center, Jerry H. Hodge School of Pharmacy. So we just changed our name and I'm proud of it. Um, and yeah, fourth year student, I'm getting ready to apply for residencies and I'm going through or went through what everybody, all the other students are going through, so. Okay, great, and uh, born and raised in Texas? Yes, I was born in a very small town um, in central Texas graduated with 73 students in my high school class, um, then went on to do undergraduate studies at UT Arlington, which was just an incredible experience to be around so many different people and get so many different perspectives. And then life brought me to Abilene, which is another small town in West Texas, uh, to go to pharmacy school. But it's probably one of the best places uh, to get your pharmacy education as far as location, because you're not distracted by anything. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> true, probably very true. Uh, so tell us how you found our group. Yeah, so it's really crazy. We were talking about LinkedIn and one of my professors actually shared um, your uh, article on non-traditional paths that pharmacy students can take. And I, you know, it was one of those things on LinkedIn, you have very loose connections. And so since my professor shared your article, it popped up on my newsfeed and I read it and I thought, wow, this is incredible. And it really uh, related to me. And so that's pretty much how I, how I found it and continued to started following you. Awesome. Well, I'm so glad you did. And when you contacted me, you shared a little bit about your experience of of chasing this passion of yours and one that you didn't really have any examples of and we don't have any pharmacists or none that I'm aware of currently doing this. So tell us a little bit more about this passion of yours and the journey you've been on so far. Yeah, so uh, when I was a first year pharmacy student, I had this really crazy idea of just kind of like a question of how would pharmacists um, help athletes and what is the role of a pharmacist um, with the athlete population. And at that point, I literally knew nothing about it. Um, I was a gymnast all throughout my youth and I cheered in college for a little bit, but I never identified as an athlete. So it wasn't really coming from a place that was, you know, super close to me. It was just a thought that I had. Um, and then I started, you know, you get online and you Google like pharmacists helping athletes and sports pharmacy, all these things. Um, and I didn't find a lot of information. I did find a couple pharmacists that helped with the Olympics, but that was pretty much it. And being in West Texas, not even in a big town, not necessarily near any big 
you know, athletes or football teams, um, I didn't really have any connections. And so I reached out to one of my professors just saying, hey, this is a really interesting thing. Do you know anything about it? And then the story kind of started from there with networking and opportunities and, and all sorts of things. Wow, I love that you had this question and you just kept pursuing it. And even though you found very little on the internet, you just kept exploring it and exploring it. I think that's how we're gonna survive in pharmacy is I think we're gonna have these questions that we can't let go unanswered. You know, we have to dig in the corners and find out what we need to know in order to make it happen or vet another idea. So I'm really proud of you for, for keep going. So tell us when you went through that journey and you had to keep networking, what kinds of things did it lead to? Yeah, um, I love that because, you know, now it's been three years since my P1 year and I have all these different things behind me and I have all these bigger things that people know me for um, in sports pharmacy and it did not start out big at all. <laughs> um, and that, I mean, most of, most things don't start out super big, you know? Um, and so one of the things that I did was, you know, talk to that one professor, that one professor knew somebody in compounding pharmacy that worked with a professional baseball team. And I got on the phone with him and I kind of did sort of like an interview type thing. I didn't know what I was doing at the time. I was just trying to learn as much as I could, um, talk talked with that contact and that contact, you know, they didn't have a, a large role in it, but they did have some ideas to share. And then from then on, it was really just, you know, trying to find those people who were working with athletes. So we're talking about sports medicine and sports pharmacy, and that's not taught in pharmacy school. Um, and I didn't do my, my undergrad education is in pre-pharmacy studies. And so I, you know, I wasn't around a lot of athletes in undergrad either. And so I really just sought to learn more about them. Um, and so one of the things that I did really early on was I shadowed um, a lot of different health professionals. So I shadowed at a local, um, what would you call it, sports medicine clinic. And I shadowed a PA. Um, and they were super nice because you don't get a lot of pharmacy students just like knocking on doors to shadow other professionals. Um, so they were really, really nice to allow me to shadow them. And to be honest, I didn't know, like, this is what I'm gonna get out of this. And like, this is what I'm gonna learn. I just needed to be around it and to understand, like, is there a role? Um, Cause that was the question early on, what is the role? Um, and so I shadowed locally and then through networking and contacts, um, actually through my undergrad contacts, I ended up shadowing at the Dallas Cowboys um, that, probably led me to shadow at the Olympic Training Center in Colorado. Um, and again, the whole time it wasn't like, you know, this is what I'm going to get out of it. It was purely like, what can I learn and how much can I learn from this? And, you know, am I going to find something, um, some sort of answer through it all? Um, and then, you know, continuing on, I got really involved with a anti-doping, uh, international anti-doping research group who uh, gave me a travel grant to go to London and to be a part of that conversation. And I'm kind of skipping around prior to that. <laughs> probably one of the biggest things was I was the first pharmacy intern at the U.S. Anti-Doping Agency. Um, wow. 
Yeah, yeah. And say, say, say that again. You were the first? The first intern, uh, pharmacy intern at the U.S. Anti-Doping Agency. Um, and I actually interned for eight weeks in Colorado Springs in the drug reference department. And so I got to, um, you know, learn all the dietary supplements, all the medications that athletes are on. I learned a lot about the prohibited list. And so when we talk about sports pharmacy and sports medicine, my heart is really with the anti-doping movement and clean sport. And, and that's where I find a lot of joy and a lot of passion is talking to athletes about, you know, safe ways to consume some of these medications and appropriate ways to consume them as well. Um, so yeah, qu quite a bit of things. And when I say it out loud, it, I almost don't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Athena, this has just been an amazing journey so far. I just, I just love listening to this and I've been writing down some key takeaways for me. You, you went off the beaten path. You know, yeah. you weren't sure where this was going to lead. You weren't sure if you were going to make a career out of this. But in order to find out, sometimes you have to think outside the box. Sometimes you have to take the mindset of learning and exploring, not knowing what the end is going to be. I mean, you adopted this mindset early on in order to figure that out. Calling, probably cold calling or cold emailing a lot of people to ask the shadow. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. And I tell people, I feel like I am the master with emails. <laughs> like that, is, that is my form of communication where I feel like I shine. Um, but everyone's different, you know, and they just got to find that, that thing that they're able to connect with people. And, you know, throughout undergrad, believe it or not, when I, you know, my freshman year, I was not as talkative as I am now. I was not, you know, as personable, I guess, and as driven as I was. Um, and that was really frustrating for me because I saw all these people doing like incredible things and um, they were so smart and I just wanted to be like that. And so there were a couple things that helped me. I think, you know, when you're an undergrad, you know, looking at quotes and stuff, I think that's where I find my inspiration. And so I have a couple quotes that, uh, helped me understand, like, you know, how can I become the person that I want to be um, and ask questions. And so, you know, one of my very first things that I did that actually really highly contributed to my path now in undergrad was I wanted to do research. Um, I didn't know how. I wasn't super close with a professor because I went to a huge university. There are a lot of students um, I was in a very general field of biology, um, so you don't get to really know professors very well, you know, when there's hundreds of students in your class. Um, and I still wasn't, I was still really shy, so I didn't want to go up and walk, you know, to a professor and ask them, can I do research with you? So I literally got on the UT Arlington faculty directory, and I was looking through names, and I was like, what has anything to do with healthcare? Like somebody, and I emailed maybe like eight different people, um, eight different faculty, like, hey, I'm really interested in research. I, I will do anything. Like really, I will do anything. Um, and I got one response. So, you know, they're not all wins. I got one response. And uh, he was in the psychology department. I was going into pharmacy. So of course it wasn't the perfect match, you know? Um, but I ended up working for him and we ended up publishing a chapter and a couple articles and ultimately he was the one that connected me with the contact um, at the Dallas Cowboys. And so 
you never know like where those contacts are going to come into play and all those skills, you know, all the things that I published before pharmacy school have nothing to do with pharmacy or healthcare or science even, <laughs> mm -hmm. but they gave me those skills and the confidence that, you know, you can translate this into something else. Wow. I, I just love that you mentioned how you emailed eight faculty members and one got back to you and you didn't let that discourage you, even if it wasn't necessarily your desired field uh, where that practice, where that professor was research, where his research was, but you took advantage of it anyway. And yeah. the, another theme that I'm hearing for your whole story is even when you started this process, just doors started opening. But yeah. the further along you went, just things started happening, the universe started moving in a direction to kind of support this vision you had. And I just, I just love that. I love that. There's so many takeaways for students. I hope for all the students listening, you are also writing down some key takeaways. I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. I didn't ask you this ahead of time, but do you have a favorite quote that you want to share? Yeah, I do actually. And I have a couple, but this one is really meaningful to me. It's something that I I do share. This is the one, if you were to ask me, I would share. Um, and it's by Oprah, which is just incredible. But this was one that I really helped me throughout undergrad in taking the first steps to emailing those faculty. Cause I mean, that's the thing, right? You have to have the courage for that. And so her quote is you get in life what you have the courage to ask for. Um, mm. And so if you could just get that courage and ask, um, and I, you know, I never wanted to ask because I never wanted anyone to tell me no. And once I got over that, to be honest, I haven't heard no. A lot of times I don't hear anything, you know, <laughs> which is good. Um, but I haven't received a lot of no's because I truly feel like if you're passionate about something and you're willing to learn, you're not willing to just take, but you're willing to learn, people do genuinely want to help. Mm -hmm. um, and so to go into that a little bit more, you know, so I told you email. So during my first year, uh, pharmacy school, I was just looking at, you know, what are these organizations that are doing this? Um, and you have those conversations. I had a really random conversation with someone who mentioned USADA. I had never, um, never heard of USADA before. And I was like, oh, wow, that's really interesting. Not a major conversation, you know, just something small. Um, and so I, I looked them up and I thought, oh my gosh, this is incredible. And this is exactly the field or the area that I feel like I want to be a part of. And so I emailed them my P1 year, um, didn't get a response, emailed them again, you know, P1 spring, and then kind of got a response, kind of got on the phone with someone, talked to them. And then that was kind of it for that. And then come my P2 fall, I had this idea, like maybe I can intern there in, you know at the front desk or something like i really didn't think anything of it i just wanted to be in that space and so i emailed them again and i said hey do you have like any internship positions doesn't really matter um and then they ended up creating a specific intern position for me in the drug reference department which i was super thankful for um and i i did get paid while i was there which i was very thankful for again but you know, going into something like that with the mindset of it doesn't matter if I get paid or not paid. And I know a lot of people don't have the means for that. 
Um, but just taking what you can get, anything you can get, I think is, is the mindset that you should go into something like that with. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I think what happens as a faculty member, when students come to me and they talk about their idea for a non-traditional career path, and that was one of the reasons why I wanted to write the article, is to let students know that just because the majority of pharmacists go in this direction or that direction, or everybody's talking about mid-year, or people seem to be pushing residency, what are you passionate about? What's gonna keep you engaged for your entire career? And if you don't want to follow a traditional path, then what can we do to help you explore your non-traditional path? And as you've learned, it's not a blueprint that someone handed you and said, follow these steps. And by the end, you'll figure it out. You had to figure it out through trial and error on your own to figure out, is this even a thing? So I think that's a big message that I'm, I'm glad we're talking about this today because I think students, when they're interested, find somebody on campus that can support them in vetting some of these ideas and talking to them about sending emails, interning, shadowing, all the things you're talking about that you kind of discovered on your own. That's the discovery part that has to happen. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, and I like how you mentioned, you know, find your passion. And I was just talking to one of my faculty mentors about the same thing. Um, and she said, well, what do students do if they don't have passions? And, um, you know, at this stage in my career and in my life, I do have a couple passions that I'm that, you know, light me on fire and I'm like ready to go chase them. But I think everyone went through a time when they didn't exactly know and mine was an undergrad. And I think if you don't know and you don't have that one thing that you're really driven towards right now, uh, follow your curiosities, like follow those questions. Because, um, you know, you might maybe you're interested in transplant pharmacy or maybe that will be your passion one day but you haven't had that conversation with somebody that really gave you that idea um and so i i get this from my dad but i i am a very curious person um he is too and so and my parents always told me to take opportunities you know money will come later take opportunities now because they may not come back and so all these opportunities, even that they weren't related to what I'm doing now, they gave me those ideas um, and they led me in the right direction. Like you said, they kind of opened doors for me, even though I didn't realize they would. Yeah. And just for a second, take us into your world a little bit. Like, as you mentioned, sports medicine is not a heavy focus in pharmacy school, if it's touched upon at all. So take us into that world a little bit. Help us understand what are some of the misconceptions that athletes have about medications? What are some of the medication errors that are typically seen? Why should pharmacists be involved with anti-doping campaigns? Just take us, give us a few nuggets of what you've learned from being in this space. Yeah, um, so a lot of what I learned was from the U.S. Anti-Doping Agency, and granted, a lot of it we learn in pharmacy school. It's just looking at those specific patient populations. Um, and initially, you know, I use the example that my school really focuses on special populations and we have, a, you know, a pediatrics rotation and we have a geriatrics rotation because um, there's different considerations with medication use in those populations. And to me, I feel like athletes are the same way. And so, actually, when I went to the Olympic Training Center, um, really early on as a P2, 
I was so ready to like see all the medications that they use. Like I was going to learn so much. Um, and I was under one of the head PAs and it was going to be such a great experience. And I go in and <laughs> there's no medications. <laughs> Um, they do all, you know, physical manipulation and they do physical therapy and a lot of what they do isn't really what we see in the clinic. And so that in itself was a learning experience for me that athletes, if they can avoid it, they don't want to take these medications. And then that led me to ask, you know, why is that? And I, I'm really passionate about nutrition and lifestyle and preventative medicine. And so if we can get away with not taking the medication safely, um, then I'm all for that. Um, but that was another question that, you know, I came in with one thought and then left with a completely different perspective. Um, then when I went to the US Anti-Doping Agency, I learned that maybe it's not the medications, but it's the dietary supplements. Mm -hmm. And we all know, um, you know, that dietary supplements are very easy to get. They're actually very easy to make. Um, I was a part of a compounding pharmacy in undergrad that made dietary supplements that, um, you know, maybe weren't the best quality, were very expensive. And so they're not very hard to make either. Um, and so the education piece with athletes of, you know, if you're using over-the-counter medications, this is the appropriate way to use them because primarily they will be using over-the-counter medications and then dietary supplements. How do you, you know, find a dietary supplement that you can trust isn't adulterated with a prohibited substance? And then both of those together, you know, you reference the prohibited list based on their sport. So if they're an Olympic athlete, then, you know, they're probably under the water code. Um, and that's basically you have medications and supplements or substances that are prohibited, prohibited in and out of competition. Um, so as pharmacists, I think it's a really important thing to, you know, you don't have to know exactly every single thing that's on the list. It's a really long list and you can find it online. Um, but just knowing that if you're working with an athlete that you're aware there are some medications that they you know, sh probably shouldn't take even some over the counter medications. Um, you know, let's have that discussion. You know, do you know if this is permitted in your sport and maybe help them look that up if they um, don't know that information? And so, you know, WADA, the World Anti Doping Agency, the WADA code has their own prohibited list. And when we think of the WADA code, we think of Olympic athletes, but we also have the NCAA that has their own prohibited list. And so these are athletes that are going to walk into your community pharmacy um, all the time, you know, so creating that patient relationship and understanding that they're an athlete and then giving them the guidance they need uh, is really an important role for pharmacists. But it, it is important to know that whatever they consume, you know, they also have to be aware because it's their career. Um, you know, but we can be the tools to help them understand, educate them about medications, and then make the appropriate decisions with that education. I love that. I love that. Um, you mentioned that you spent some time with the Dallas Cowboys. What was your role there? Can you tell us anything about that experience? Yeah, so it sounds really big and fancy. Um, and it was a big, I think, just you know, knowing that I had experience with the Dallas Cowboys got me into the Olympic Training Center. Um, mm -hmm. So it does help. But let mm -hmm. me tell you that that was 
you know, three days, three half days <laughs> that yes. I was actually with the Dallas Cowboys surgeons. Um, and for those of you thinking that she probably met a lot of famous people, <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> I didn't, but one of the most impactful things that I got out of that was they had an athlete flown in, um, and I can't even remember where he was flown in from, but at the time I was thinking like, wow, very fancy, like he's flown in to the Carroll Clinic in Dallas, and um, you know, we're gonna care for him, and you know, he was there for a follow-up, but as we were talking to him, he was saying that he takes, you know, 10 to 16 tablets of ibuprofen, um, just, you know, once or twice a week and doesn't really think about it. And that in itself, you know, early on, I was like, wow, that mm. might be an education point, you know? Um, and, and it's not just for athletes, of course, for the general population, but athletes mm. in general, they use a lot of those over the counter pain medications. Um, and so, you know, that, that very minute experience, really, you know, gave me more ideas of what could this role be for pharmacists. Yeah, I love that. You never know what's going to spark an idea in the future. You're going to think back to your, your three half days <laughs> and remember something. And then, uh, you know, like you said, it was a stepping stone to the next experience you got to have. Yeah. So that, that's awesome. And um, so, and now that I'm backing up, I should have made a timeline to put in front of me. So I wasn't skipping around so much, but keep in mind P1 year, you know, I'm emailing all these people and that one faculty member that, you know, I reached out to early on, helped me out. She told me, you know, there's some physician that did a talk kind of about prohibited substances. Here's her name, try to email her. Um, and I love this story because I tell this to the physician and she just laughs now that it's been three years. But that initial email was sent my P1 fall. Um, I did not get an answer until my P2, probably December of my P2 year. Wow. Um, and I sent her three emails and you have a article on email etiquette. <laughs> so so I, I really think that's important important for students to realize um, you have to be professional you know um, in any form of communication because you don't want to immediately turn somebody off but I was very professional when I you know continued to email her it turns out she just you know email was her worst enemy um, mm. she's a super super nice person and you know that started a conversation I would go up she's with Texas Tech in Lubbock I would go up to Lubbock and shadow her um, when I could and that was always you know I'd leave Abilene at like four in the morning and I'd get there when clinic started and I just hang out and then I'd leave that night um, but I did that a couple times and you know when I was creating that relationship I had no idea that my fourth year my school would help me create a sports medicine rotation with her uh, and so I just actually finished that my fourth block and and that in itself was a lesson that is such an awesome story athena <laughs> like you driving up there at four in the morning not knowing that what it was going to lead to just going out of curiosity and exploration just because you were following your passion and now it's le it led to an appy rotation which perhaps another student can follow in your footsteps and take that same rotation if the physician's willing to continue that so you're opening up doors for the students behind you. 
one question I had for you was, think about a student that maybe is in their P1 or P2 year, and they're still trying to figure everything out. What kind of advice would you give to a student who's kind of thinking of a non-traditional career path? They kind of have that thought in the back of their head that, what if, you know, pharmacists and winemaking is a thing? Or what if, you know, pharmacists and something else is a thing? Yeah. How, what would I do? How would I go about that? What would be your advice now that you've been through your journey? And although it was kind of a crooked path, and although one door led to another, which is awesome, what would you say to a P1 or P2 student who is in the same stage you were? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, gosh, there's so many things that I feel like I've learned from this. And since I have that personality of like wanting to educate and want to share, I could just do this for hours. <laughs> But um, well, let's say like main, 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 main pieces of advice. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I think one of the things that discouraged me, or I'll, I'll talk about two of the things that discouraged me at the very beginning, because I think that's the biggest hurdle that students are fighting is kind of the negative thoughts with doing something that's unique. And um, one of mine was, and I had this thought with many different things. Um, but there, there were pharmacists out there, very few that had done it maybe years ago um, and weren't doing it now, or they dabbled in it. Um, but there are pharmacists out there, just very few. And one of my initial thoughts was, well, it's been done. You know, like it's been done. There's already pharmacists doing this with the Olympics. It's been done. Um, and I think that was something that I eventually realized that there's room in this world for more than one expert in whatever, yes. you know? So if you're thinking that you want to be the oncology expert, but there's already huge medical centers that have oncology experts, there's room for more. Um, so that was one of, one of the obstacles that I um, battled with early on. And then another obstacle was you have this thought, it's really unique you share it with somebody because I'm sure a lot of people are like, you know, I want to talk about this because this is kind of really interesting. You're going to run into people that, and I ran into people um, that said, there's no role, you know, there's no role. And I, I didn't, I wouldn't say believe those people by any means, but I would listen to them um, because a lot of the people that told me like, there's not really a role. Like I, I don't see a role in it. Um, it was really the perspective that they were coming from that gave me the leverage to say, oh, I understand where they're coming from, but I'm still trying to figure this out too. And when they ask you, like, where's the role, that just gives you a little bit more, you know, drive to say, well, I don't know, let me find it. Um, and so I had mentor, a mentor that kind of did that same thing, like, oh, that's not really... A field maybe we should talk about something else um, but now that mentor is cheering me on and you you never know right you you don't want to really assume that they're coming from the negative aspect of it and I even had an athlete that um, was like pharmacy I don't know where that fits into my care at all um, and I was like blown away I was like oh my gosh because at this point I've been doing this for three years and um, I was like, that's really crazy. I didn't even ask the athlete, you know, <laughs> like what they think about pharmacists. Um, and so, you know, that initial conversation really could have discouraged me. But months later, 
I just had this thought like, well, maybe I should tell them what I think, you know, tell them where I think pharmacists playing a role. And um, now me and that athlete are, you know, in constant conversation about how pharmacists could be a really great resource for athletes. And so don't let those initial conversations discourage you. Um, and then, yeah, for the student who has a fresh idea, you know, learn everything you can about it. And you don't have to tell anybody after those initial kind of like, you know, why, why would you do this? Like, I don't see a role. I didn't tell a lot of people at my school until after I interned at the U.S. Anti-Doping Agency. Because you go through that, like, is this real? Am I qualified for this? You know, kind of imposter syndrome. Um, and so you don't have to tell anybody until you really feel comfortable, but definitely do as much as you can um, learning-wise if you have that new idea and then just see where it takes you. Thank you so much for sharing that. I think that was a really powerful message. I think sometimes it's, it's showing a little bit of vulnerability when you open up to somebody about an idea that you have and then to feel like somebody either shoots it down or tries to steer you in a different direction, especially if it's someone you look up to or someone that has more years of experience than you do, that can be a little disheartening to hear. And it may prevent you from moving forward and learning more about that topic. So I love the way that you said, just, just keep going. And from my own career, I found that if I surround myself with those cheerleaders more, then I'm much better off. You know, just surround myself with positive people. I'll share my ideas with people that will give me constructive feedback, people that will uh, maybe help me see things from a different perspective, but not necessarily say no one's done that, so you shouldn't either. Yeah. Um, I think in pharmacy, sometimes it's hard to find people that think outside the box. And I think we have to gravitate towards those people, especially if, if we have an out-of-the-box idea. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, and yeah, one of the things that I do want to mention, because now I'm in my fourth year of pharmacy school, and you know, all of this happened my P1 year. And so now I'm really able to reflect. But for those students listening, you know, that first time I was told, like, uh, maybe we should focus on something else. My response to that was not, oh, I'm going to listen to you because I know that your perspective is very important. <laughs> it was not that. I was heartbroken. Um, and so it's, you know, it's something that you learn later on and looking back, you know, that was a really powerful lesson, but it's not an easy thing. You know, it's not an easy journey or getting that email saying like, no, we don't have anything here for you. Like those aren't easy, um, but it's just information and you have to decide, you know, how you're gonna respond to that information that you're given. Yeah, I love the way you put that. So you're in your fourth year, you mentioned earlier, you're applying to residencies. Tell us what your next steps are. What are your plans after graduation? What do you see in your future? Yeah, so I briefly mentioned that I have you know, another really drive towards nutrition and lifestyle and preventative medicine. And so that was actually kind of what led me into pharmacy school. Um, and again, you look back at like how life, you know, you shift in direction throughout your journey. Because when I was an undergrad, I started getting into nutrition and I thought, you know, I'll just do nutrition and I'll become a dietitian. And thankfully, my school did not have that degree. <laughs> they didn't have 
that degree. And so I was actually thinking about transferring to a different university um, to pursue that. And at the same time, I was working at a pharmacy because I just, my cousin told me it was a great job while you're in college. And I was like, man, I could actually integrate the two. Um, so early on, I kind of had this vision of doing that. Um, so thankfully I came into pharmacy and I don't regret it, but I, I will say if my school had a dietitian <laughs> program, I would not be in pharmacy right now. Um, and so that, that has been an interest of mine. And so I came into pharmacy after I really learned about it, wanting to do ambulatory care and academia. And, you know, I thought this is what I want to do my P1 year. Um, and people were telling me like, you will change your mind because you change your mind a thousand times. And I actually did, you know, I didn't change my mind, but I was curious about different paths. Um, and I dabbled in those. And so I thought for a split second, like, what if I graduate from pharmacy school and then I do a PhD program um, in, it was, oh, I can't even remember what it was, but that thought in itself led me to the Partnership for Clean Competition, which is the Anti-Doping um, Research Institute. And I just, they had a PhD program. I thought maybe I could do that. And, you know, it had more to do with metabolic syndrome than it did with anti-doping because um, I'm really interested in endocrinology. And so that led me to that relationship with the Partnership for Clean Competition, which then led me to receiving a travel grant from then. So, you know, early on, I thought like ambulatory care, academia, but I did think about what could other paths, what would other paths look like if I didn't end up doing that? And, you know, our, my third year, my school has um, P3 rotations where we actually spend four hours a day for six weeks in a rotation site. And so we start our uh, clinical rotations very early. And I was in an the, a heart failure clinic and I absolutely love that. Um, and so that kind of reassured me that ambulatory care is still the direction I wanna go. And then I just love education and I've taken a lot of opportunities throughout pharmacy school to do presentations. And I was a student tutor for a little bit. And so now being a P4, I'm, I feel pretty strongly about staying with ambulatory care in academia, but what that looks like changes for me all the time. And so initially, you know, it was ambulatory care. And then now I'm thinking, well, maybe I want to do a career in um, endocrinology and be in an endocrine clinic. And so, and that'll change, you know, hopefully as I go through residency and I get all these new experiences, I'll find, you know, exactly where, where I fit in. So, yeah. So applying for residency right now, PGY ones that focus in ambulatory care, but that have a lot of academia opportunities as well. And then keeping your sports medicine passion and nutrition passion alive. Yeah. And then keeping that. And I was talking to a student the other day, you know, <laughs> sports pharmacy is not a full-time thing for any pharmacist. Um, and I'm allowed to have other interests as well, you know, so you can have, you know, whatever you feel passionate about, it could be 10 things, it could be one thing. Um, and for me, I feel like it kind of does fall under the umbrella of endocrinology because in anti-doping, you have 
um, your anabolic agents and you have some of that that kind of ties into the endocrine system and why athletes use it for performance enhancing. Um, so for me, I do feel like it, there's kind of an umbrella there and they, they're all related, but you know, your passions don't have to be like that. They can be all over the place if, <laughs> if that's what drives you. Good point. Very good point. So what social media platforms are you on and how can we connect with you? So I primarily am active on LinkedIn. Um, so LinkedIn, Athena Brindle. Um, and yeah, that's probably the best place to, to get a hold of me. Okay. All right. Wonderful. So I will post your link in the comments below. And uh, is there anything else you want to share with us today or any last pieces of advice or end with a quote? Oh, man. Okay. Um, gosh, I feel like we talked about everything. Um, but we did mention a little bit before this that, you know, I'm really passionate about leadership and especially pharmacy students, you know, leading without a title because we go through pharmacy school and I, you know, was never the president of an organization, but I was very active in organizations. Um, and I made a point that, you know, if I was going to be a member of an organization that I was going to impact that organization positively. Um, and so I want students to know that you can lead without a title. And sometimes those, those are the best leaders. Um, because you're genuinely doing it because you want to impact the organization. Whereas there are some leaders that have the title and they are done because they have the title <laughs> and they put mm -hmm. that on their CV. Um, and, you know, so, and there's always something to gain, you know, when you're a member of an organization and you're doing something to positively impact the organization, you are learning and you're developing skills. And you're not going to have those skills by just, you know, president of this organization on your CV. That doesn't automatically give you the tools necessary to be a leader. So that's something that I'm really passionate about. So just being the leader in your own life, um, regardless of the title. And I hope, yeah, students are able to take something from that. Thank you. That's a great way to end. You don't need a title to be a leader. And that's true of French students, for pharmacists, for faculty, for, for anybody in this space. So thank you for that. Athena, I just, I see a lot of drive. I see a lot of ambition. Uh, you've got a big fan over here and you're gonna get a big <laughs> following after this gets posted. And I just can't wait to see where your career takes you. So I just wanna thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today and sharing all these insights with the students. They're really gonna take a lot from this. Thank you. Yeah, and thank you so much for having me and all your work you do with students because um, you talk about mentorship a lot, and I would not be where I am without the mentorship. And it doesn't have to be a formal mentorship. You're mentoring students, and you may not even know it. Um, and so thank you so much for the work that you do. Thank you, Athena. Take care. Have you heard about our goal? We're going to interview a pharmacy student from every college of pharmacy. Has your school been featured? Email me, 21stCenturyFarmD at gmail.com.